God bless you and welcome to the Solution Radio Show. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Greg Backus, your host. Jesus Christ is the solution for all the situations you and I might find ourselves in. He is God's solution for all mankind for all time. He stated in the Gospel of John chapter 14, verse 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus Christ is the one who makes a difference. He made a difference in people's lives 2,000 years ago when he lived and walked among people. And he makes a difference today because he was raised from the dead and is seated at God's right hand in the heavenlies. I trust that Christ Jesus makes a difference in your life today, that you see the tremendous love that God has for you, that you come to have a deeper and more full relationship with God as your Heavenly Father, that you see your purpose in life is far above the day-to-day circumstances of life. God's love for you, it knows no bounds. Today we have a very exciting program. We will hear some wonderful music, read some of the Bible together regarding God's magnificent mercy, and our interview segment is with a dear friend and brother in Christ, Scott Powell. This interview is a replay from July of last year. I wanted to play it today and also make a request of you, the listener. Scott was in a motorcycle accident a little over a week ago but he is seeing miraculous healing deliverance and he continues to need our prayer. Would you pray for him as you listen to the interview today and then continue to keep him in your prayers in the upcoming weeks? We have played much of Scott's music on the Solution Radio Show over the past year and it's been a tremendous blessing to to hear his music. I trust that today you will enjoy the interview with Scott And once again, I thank you for your prayers for Scott Powell as we listen to that interview. Last week, we looked at God's magnificent grace. This week, we will look at God's magnificent mercy. God's mercy toward mankind is evident all throughout history. Many times in God's word, mercy is in the same context as grace and peace. Mercy is defined as loving kindness. Mercy is loving and it is kind, and it's in the sense that it is the withholding of earned or merited judgment. God's mercy toward all mankind is found in the giving of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. We have been judged in Christ and not of our own works. That's mercy. In Genesis, we find a wonderful example of God's mercy displayed toward Lot and his family. Lot was a nephew of Abraham, and he and his family lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. Let's begin in Genesis chapter 19, if you have your Bible handy. Uh, We'll read here verses 15 through 19. And when the morning arose, the angels hastened Lot, saying, Arise, take thy wife and thy two daughters which are here, lest thou be consumed in the iniquity of the city. And while he lingered, the men laid hold upon his hand and upon the hand of his wife and upon the hand of his two daughters. 
the Lord being merciful unto Lot. And they brought him forth, and they set him without the city. And it came to pass, when they had brought them forth abroad, that he said, Escape for thy life, look not behind thee, neither stay thou in all the plain, escape to the mountain, lest thou be consumed. And Lot said unto them, the angels, O oh, not so, my Lord. Behold now, verse 19, thy servant has found grace in thy sight, and thou hast magnified thy mercy, which thou hast showed unto me and my family in saving my life, and I cannot escape to the mountain, lest some evil take me and I die. What a tremendous record there of God's mercy. And Lot recognized that the mercy of God had been magnified unto him. He acknowledged that he had found grace in God's sight and that God's mercy was magnified in the saving of his life. Lot and his family received mercy from God. The mercy in large part was because of Lot's relationship to Abraham. Before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah, Abraham interceded for the inhabitants of the doomed city, requesting of God, if there be any righteous there, that the city be spared. Abraham requested of God if there be at least ten righteous in the city, and there were not even ten. The only ones spared were Lot, his wife, and Lot's two daughters. The daughters' husbands, they had the opportunity to be spared, but they did not believe Lot. And Lot's wife, as they were fleeing from the city, disobeyed by turning back to look at the destruction, and she was turned into a pillar of salt. Let's continue reading part of this record. Let's uh, go to verse 20. Behold, now this city is near to flee unto, and it is a little one, Oh, let me escape there, and my soul shall live. And he said unto him, See, I have accepted this thing also, that I will not overthrow this city for the which thou hast spoken. Haste thee, escape, for I cannot do anything till you get to that city. Therefore the name of the city was called Zoar. The sun was risen upon the earth when Lot entered into Zoar. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah brimstone and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Lot and his daughters were spared because of God's mercy. Let's look at another record of God's great mercy in the life of David and Solomon. We'll begin in Second Chronicles chapter 1. We'll read here verses 7 through 12. In that night did God appear unto Solomon and said unto him, Ask what I shall give you. And Solomon said unto God, You have showed great mercy unto David my father, and have me to reign in his stead. Now, O Lord God, let your promise unto David my father be established, for thou hast made me king over a people, like the dust of the earth in multitude. Remember the story of David and Bathsheba? David was attracted to Bathsheba when he spotted her from his rooftop. David brought Bathsheba into his bedchamber, and she became pregnant. Then David had Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, killed. David was both a murderer and an adulterer. 
When David was confronted by the prophet Nathan, he repented and he asked God for forgiveness. God saw the heart of David and God showed tremendous mercy toward David. God later said that David was a man after his own heart. So what a tremendous truth there we we see in verse 8 where Solomon said unto God that you have showed great mercy towards my father David. God surely did. Then David wrote Psalm 51 shortly after being confronted by Nathan regarding the murder of Uriah and his relationship with Bathsheba. Let's look at Psalm 51 verses 1 through 3. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity, and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions, and my sin is ever before me. David surely recognized God's great mercy. And you know what else? Do you know who Solomon's mother was? Bathsheba. Tremendous mercy, tremendous grace in that whole relationship, in that whole situation. But you look at David's heart, and he repented. God forgave. God displayed great mercy. Back to Second Chronicles chapter 1. Let's continue in verse 10. This is Solomon. Give me now wisdom and knowledge that I may go out and come in before this people. For who can judge this thy people that is so great? And God said to Solomon, Because this was in thine heart, and thou hast not asked for riches, wealth, or honor, nor the life of thine enemies, neither yet hast thou asked long life. But you asked wisdom and knowledge for thyself, that you may judge my people, over whom I, God, have made you the king. Wisdom and knowledge, verse 12, wisdom and knowledge is granted unto you. And I will give you riches and wealth and honor, such as none of the kings have had that have been before thee, neither shall there any after thee have the like. Because of God's mercy and grace, Solomon received wisdom, knowledge, riches, wealth, and honor. A couple other verses I'd like to look at about God's mercy, and then we'll move into the New Testament as well and see God's mercy there. Psalm 13, verse 5. I have trusted in thy mercy. My heart shall rejoice in thy salvation. Trusting in God's mercy, it results in rejoicing in his salvation. Remember, mercy is the withholding of earned or merited judgment, and it's the display of God's loving kindness and goodness. Salvation for any man can only come because of God's mercy. Our own works can never earn the mercy or the salvation of God. In Psalm 136, every single verse mentions the mercy of God. We'll just read the first nine of those verses. O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. O give thanks unto the God of gods, for his mercy endures forever. O give thanks to the Lord of lords, for his mercy endures forever. 
to him who alone does great wonders for his mercy endures forever verse 5 to him that by wisdom made the heavens for his mercy endures forever to him that stretched out the earth above the waters for his mercy endures forever to him that made great lights for his mercy endures forever to the sun to rule by day for his mercy endures forever verse 9 the moon and stars to rule by night for his mercy endures forever god's mercy which is found in his loyal love and his gracious heart lasts forever there is no end to god's mercy his mercy is displayed in all of his creation let's look at psalm 145 verses 8 and 9 the lord is gracious and full of compassion slow to anger and of great mercy the lord is good to all and his tender mercies are over all his works what a tender kind loving god we have he abounds in loving kindness and his compassion is upon all his creation we can read in the old testament where time and time again israel turned their back on god their hardened heart always resulted in captivity in jeremiah we see god's heart of love and mercy towards israel jeremiah chapter 3 verse 12 go and proclaim these words toward the north and say return thou backsliding israel says the lord and i will not cause my anger to fall upon you for i am merciful says the lord and i will not keep anger forever god knows that people are so easily blown about sometimes effortlessly swayed from god by the circumstances of life he desires that people come back to him when they've wandered away and listen to his words and obey his voice you know it's no different today than it was in the days of jeremiah god is gracious and merciful to us too just as he was to the children of israel the book of micah chapter 7 verses 18 and 19 and i'd like to read these verses from the amplified bible who is a god like you who forgives wickedness and passes over the rebellious acts of the remnant of his possession he does not retain his anger forever because he constantly delights in mercy and loving kindness he shall again have compassion on us he will subdue and tread underfoot our wickedness destroying sin's power yes you god will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea that's in the book of micah chapter 7 god delights in mercy and loving kindness he takes great joy in bestowing mercy and loving kindness toward his people just as last week when we looked at god's grace here in looking at god's mercy it's necessary for us to look at the gospel of john chapter 3 as we read these verses 
just listen to God's great mercy towards mankind. John chapter 3, verses 16 through 19, and we'll read it in the Amplified Version this time. Verse 16, For God so greatly loved and dearly prized the world that he even gave his one and only begotten Son, so that whoever believes and trusts in him as Savior shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge and condemn the world, that is, to initiate the final judgment of the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Verse 18, Whoever believes and has decided to trust in him as personal Savior and Lord is not judged. For this one there is no judgment, no rejection, no condemnation. But the one who does not believe and has decided to reject Jesus Christ as personal Savior and Lord is judged already. That one has been convicted and sentenced because he has not believed and trusted in the name of the one and only begotten Son of God, the one who is truly unique, the only one of his kind, the one who alone can save him. Verse 19, this is the judgment, that is, the cause for indictment, the test by which people are judged, the basis for the sentence. The light has come into the world, and people loved the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. What a merciful God. He's always been merciful. He has supplied all that we need to receive his loving kindness and tender mercies through Jesus Christ. He didn't send Jesus Christ into the world to condemn and to judge the world. He sent Jesus Christ that men and women could be saved unto eternal life, unto an eternal relationship with a merciful and gracious God. Who's been lying to you, telling you that he's a vengeful God? This age of grace, this day that we live in, is spiritually the most magnificent time to have ever been alive up to this point since the original age of paradise in the Garden of Eden. This is a day of God's long-suffering and loving-kindness displayed toward mankind. The adversary, the devil, God's archenemy, has masterfully turned much of mankind against the one true God by way of his lies. He's a liar, and it says in the Word that he is the father of lies. Any person, any group, that advocates that Jesus Christ is not the only way to the one true God, well, they have been deceived, and they are liars. It does not matter where the one speaking the lies may stand in the eyes of men in society. They may be a great order, or they may be at the top of his or her profession. If they promote and push something contrary to God's word, they are promoting a lie and the father of lies, the devil. God's wonderful, magnificent, awesome mercy is 
shown in the giving of his son Jesus Christ. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation or pressures of life, that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. Our God is the Father of mercies. He is the originator of compassion and loving kindness. He is the God of all comfort. Comfort is the opposite of distress and anxiousness. He comforts us in all the pressures of life that we might have to deal with to the end that we can comfort others with the same comfort. Mercy is linked so tightly to comfort and encouragement. What a good heavenly Father we have. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we faint not. All ministries received from God are because of His mercy, His loving kindness. Romans 12 lists for us several ministries of service. And Ephesians chapter 4 lists for us the five gift ministries to the church. It is a privilege to serve in the church. If you are wondering where you can serve, or if you're not sure what your purpose or ministry may be in the body of Christ, well, then just begin serving. If you see a need in someone's life, or in a church you may attend, just jump in and get involved. God will work within you. He will show you how to walk into the works that he's prepared for you to do. We must never forget that any ministry we may receive is because of God's mercy and his loving kindness. On account of that, we don't faint, like it says there in Corinthians. We don't give up. We don't lose heart because of the circumstances of life. You know, sometimes it's easy to want to give up because of the circumstances. Believe me, I know in my own life it can at times be incredibly challenging. And I'm sure it's no different for you. But God has shown us great mercy. We look to Him. We trust Him. Knowing that His word is true and that His love for each of us is sure and steadfast. We are assured of the return of Jesus Christ. We must bring that to our minds. We must keep that in our heart. Then all the circumstances of life pale in comparison. God's word is true. The great deceiver, he would try to make us believe that it's not true. Stick close to God and his word. Rejoice in your Father's merciful goodness and live in the glory of his truth. Let's take a look at Ephesians chapter 2. Uh, we'll read here verses 4 through 10. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, he quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved, and has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ that in the ages to come 
he might show or place on exhibit the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness towards us through Christ Jesus. Verse 8, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. That's Ephesians chapter 2. God is abounding in mercy. There is not a short supply of God's mercy. We see in these verses here that we just read part of what God has done for us in his abounding mercy. Let's list some of those. He has quickened us together with Christ when we were dead in sins. He has raised us up with Christ and he has set us at his right hand with Christ. He is going to show through all eternity the greatness of his grace and kindness towards each of us. He has given us his gift of eternal salvation through Christ, and it's not of ourselves. He has made us his masterpiece in Christ. He has set before us specific works unique to each of us in our ministry of service to others in the body of Christ. What a remarkable life is available to each of us because of God's magnificent mercy. Hebrews chapter 4, let's read verse 16. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. In our time of need, we are to come boldly to God's throne of grace. When we come to his throne, what will we find? Mercy and grace. At the throne of grace, we find God's loving kindness and unearned favor. His loving kindness and favor will help us in our time of need. It doesn't say to come before the throne of grace when you think you've got your life together and everything's working just fine. No. It says come boldly unto the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in our time of need. And also, does it say to grovel or beg before his throne of grace? No. We are to come boldly with confidence to our Heavenly Father because he loves us and he is more than willing to show his grace and his mercy, his favor, and his loving kindness towards us in our life. I'd like to read uh, two other versions of that verse, Hebrews 4.16. I'd like to read the Amplified Version as well as the Phillips. Let's do the Amplified first. Therefore, let us, with privilege, approach the throne of grace, that is, the throne of God's gracious favor, with confidence and without fear, so that we may receive mercy for our failures and find his amazing grace to help in time of need, an appropriate blessing coming just at the right moment. And then the Phillips translation of that same verse, Hebrews 4.16 
Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with fullest confidence that we may receive mercy for our failures and grace to help in the hour of need. What wonderful translations of that awesome verse in Hebrews. Let's close in 2 Peter where we see God's merciful loving kindness is extended to all mankind. 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 and 9. But, beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. God's merciful patience toward mankind is found in the promises of the return of His Son and the just and final judgments found in the book of Revelation. God is not delaying those promises. He is patient in that He desires that no one perish, but that all the world would come to repentance. Only a just and loving God could be so merciful and so kind towards a rebellious people. I'm so thankful that he is my father. I'm so thankful for his merciful patience and his faithfulness to his promises. I'm so thankful for you, the listener, that God is gracious and merciful towards you. Today, our guest is a Christian songwriter, singer, and minister to God's people. He has three CDs, and each of his songs clearly show his love and heart for God and for God's people. We've played his music on several of our shows previously. I'd like to welcome Scott Powell. Welcome, Scott. Thanks, Greg. Glad, glad to be with you. Yeah, great to have you with us today. I'd, I'd like to start off. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and your testimony of when and how you came to know the Lord Jesus Christ? I was not raised uh, in the church, so I wouldn't call myself, uh, I wasn't really uh, consider myself an atheist back then. I was kind of more like a don't have a cluist, somebody that, you know, really was never introduced to God. And I grew up at about close to 9,000 feet up in the Rockies, right by the uh, Rocky Mountain National Park there. At the age of about uh, 12 years old, probably, I, uh, I started to get into uh, drugs and, and things. You would think in a beautiful little mountain society, you wouldn't be, uh, you know, you, you wouldn't have that kind of stuff around you, but I certainly did. And one of the things about those little mountain towns is that people tend to get kind of bored because mm-hmm. your fingers are very long and... And so, uh, more than people might think, in those kind of communities, there's a there's a large drug and alcohol problem. Being 12 years old, with both of my parents working, I was introduced to some things at a pretty young age. Probably around 14, uh, I got into the music scene, mm. and, and I was really into it. My like most kids are, you know, you have stars in your eyes, and you have big dreams of whatever image you have in your mind of what it is to be a rock star or something. I began to 
play guitar and drums, and I was pretty into it. I would play six, eight, ten hours a day because I didn't have anything else to do. And as a result, I got pretty good pretty quick. Mm-hmm. I got into a, a group up there in the mountains. It was a uh, seven-piece kind of a southern rock style band. We played a lot of cover tunes, but at the age of probably 14 or 15, I was the you know, the front man for this big band that regionally was fairly successful. You know, young teenager up there being the, you know, the, the head guy up there on the stage with all the glory that comes along with it. The guys in the band were all, uh, you know, about 10 years older than I am, if not more. So you can imagine the things I got introduced to traveling around. Mm-hmm. So it was back in the mid-70s, and sex, drugs, and rock and roll was still the, you know, with the up-and-coming thing. It was a big deal, and so I got into the middle of it. Mm-hmm. And as a result of being young and not knowing how to handle it and uh, and that kind of thing, I ended up, by the time I was about 17, because of the drug abuse and uh, and those kind of things, I ended up being pretty much crazy. I've told people in the past that I identify with the biblical man from the tombs, the guy who used to, you know, hang out in the tombs and and cry, cry out in the night and run around, and he was pretty well known in the area. And that's kind of what happened to me was um, I was, by the time I was 17, I was seeing things all the time and hearing voices, and my mind was starting to let me down. Mm-hmm. And, got worse and worse over a period of time until uh, I think it was sometime in 1978 I had tried about everything to make it go away and uh, the voices wouldn't stop and the hallucinations wouldn't stop and uh, and it got so bad for me that I was one of those kind of guys that if you saw me walking down the street you would probably walk on the other side of the street because I was no longer sleeping in my house. I had to, I was sleeping outside and I was walking the streets and, um, and I used to mumble to myself and I would tell myself, uh, what my name is and what day it is and, you know, where I lived, my phone number. And I would, I would just say these things to myself out loud because I was afraid if I stopped talking, the stuff that was trying to get me would take me away. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And I had tried psychiatrists, and I had quit doing the drugs. I had lost my job and most of my friends because they, you know, they just thought I was going crazy. Mm-hmm. The uh, the keyboard player in the band I was in back then, he happened to uh, manage the sporting goods department of a local sporting goods store up there. And one day I had just decided that I had had enough. I went into his store, and I was leaning against one of the shelves in there. I hadn't slept in, you know, days, and I was tormented and crying, and I was just trying to think up a sentence Mm. that I could say to him that would convince him to let me take out one of his guns, and I was going to, I was going to make it in. Wow. And it was right there in that moment. As I was leaning against this shelf in this store, 
that consequently I had been fired from because I couldn't uh, maintain a job. Someone walked in front of me and introduced me to the love of God. That's awesome. This uh, great, great deliverance there through Jesus Christ, for sure. Yeah, I, um, and it was one of those things where God was endeavoring to do anything that he could to save me, you know, because he knew, as he does, mm-hmm. what kind of a what kind of a life I could have. If right. I would just give, just give him a shot, you know. Yeah, he saw your value, and he knew what kind of impact you would have on other people through your music in the years to come with your life. Right, right. It makes me think of Jesus said to one of his guys once, to whom little is forgiven, the same loveth little. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it's true that we're all forgiven of the same thing, and that is a nature that we receive from Adam that's selfish and sinful and, and apart from God. But I think sometimes, you know, people that have been through a lot have been to the bottom rung of the ladder, so to speak. I think they get to a place where they're humble mm-hmm. because they, they don't have any ability to hang on to anymore or any, you know, worldly pride or anything. It's all been stripped away. And, right. And I think, you know, that's why you find Jesus hanging out with the publicans and the sinners because they were the ones who were humble enough to say, I need help. And that's what happened with me was I had, like I said, I, w- I wasn't really an atheist. I just had no clue. Mm-hmm. Living in the mountains, you know, you there's a thing in Romans that says that everybody's without excuse because we can just look at the things in creation and know that there's a God. Right. And so living in that kind of uh, place, right up by Rocky Mountain National Park, you know, a beautiful area, I could look around and see that... I wasn't like anti-God, but when I would look at the the religious realm, I didn't really want to have anything to do with it. Mm-hmm. But somebody introduced me to a God who loves me, and when I was in this store, this person spoke God's word to me, and it was enough to get me to leave the store, and then we parted ways. And then not too much later, I had an appointment to go to a psychiatrist, because like I said, I was trying everything. Mm-hmm. And I, I was standing there ready to open the door to the psychiatrist's office, and this person was standing there again. And they said, you don't need to go in there, come with me. And this happened three times in one day. Wow. That's, that's awesome. What a tremendous, tremendous story of deliverance and testimony. Yeah, God is good. And so I went home uh, with this person and spent an evening of uh, really a remarkable evening in the beginning of my deliverance because I uh, as I was going through some of these things there was there was no way from to explain it to people the best that I could do is say well there, all I know is there's something outside of me that is trying to kill me mm-hmm. right <laughs> you know mm-hmm. that's that's the best I could come up with in my limited understanding and and yet I went home with these uh, folks, a guy and his wife, and I sat in their kitchen, and all these things that I couldn't explain, and very detailed, private stuff that I hadn't told anybody uh, was coming out of their mouth because God was speaking to them as they spoke to me and, and you know, enlightening them on all these things in my life. And 
if it hadn't have been for me seeing that, that, hey, this God is talking to them, mm-hmm. I don't know if I would have gone for it. Yeah, it was living in real for you. you. You could see that God really did care for you. Absolutely, absolutely. And so they laid it out in front of me, uh, you know, the, the spiritual realm and what's going on there, mm-hmm. uh, the good and the bad, and they, they told me about two gods in the Bible, and one of them is the one we all know as the the God and Father of Jesus Christ, but they also told me about another God that's mentioned, and that's the God of this world. Mm-hmm. And they told me that he has a mission to steal, kill, and destroy. And when they began to make that clear to me, um, I could finally put a face to this thing that had been tormenting me for, uh, you know, at least a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And they told me about light and darkness, and that... God's Word is light, and it will dispel darkness, and that was the first night I ever opened a Bible in my life. As I read God's Word that night, I fell asleep, and I woke up the next morning with the book still in my hand and had a sound night's sleep for the first time in a long, long, long time. Mm. And so that, to me, was the beginning of seeing that there is a uh, a living God. Yeah, yeah a real God who actually loves people, and it's not just a religious thing. It's uh, He's really there. Wow, that's awesome, Scott. Thank you for sharing that part of your life with us. Uh, sure. Great, yeah. great deliverance there. Great, great God of love and heart that we have. Yeah, I'm thankful to be reminded of it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, since you were playing music before that time, when did you first start writing Christian music and then singing that Christian music? Well, like I said, I think I think uh, it was a little vague. I think that deliverance happened around 1978. You know, it took a little while for me to come to understanding and to get rid of some of the fear and things that I had. And the first song that I remember writing that actually I still perform to this day was a song called I Need You and You Need Me. Mm-hmm. And I wrote that song in 1981. And... One of the things that brought that song to me was when I was going through all this horrible stuff, I was invited to move in with a couple of wonderful men of God. And one of those men, I was so uh, afraid, especially at night, I was so afraid that one of those guys allowed me to sleep in his room with him there because I believed that, that this believer could get rid of whatever this stuff was if it came after me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so that's a lot of love. Right, it sure is. Uh, That's an amazing amount of love. And and I learned a lot about the family of God Mm -hmm. and what it is to love people with the love of God and, and how far God will go to heal somebody, to deliver them, to take care of them, and to make himself known to them. That's where that song came from. Are there... Any specific Christian or secular artists that have had an impact on your music that brought you to the point that you're at today? Well, secular music, certainly, when I was younger, I think in your teenage years, maybe into your early 20s, is probably when you're most influenced by music. You know, you ask anybody, what's your music? (laughs) And that's kind of what they go by, is when I was a teenager, this was my music. Mm -hmm. And they kind of carry that through their life, you know, so... I definitely had influences, a lot of influences back then. We, uh, you know, we played all the popular music of the time, but I certainly, you know, I was 
pretty eclectic in my musical tastes, and I probably took a little bit from everybody. Mm-hmm. The Christian music scene, there's a few groups that uh, that I, I've always been the kind of person that kind of likes, I either like a song or I don't. I don't just, you know, jump onto the bandwagon of a band and like every song that they do mm-hmm. uh, or anything like that. But there's a, there's a group that I... I like a couple of their songs. Um, Big Daddy Weave, you've probably heard of them before. I like their style. There's a guy who I consider a really wonderful performer and um, Christian songwriter. I do a couple of his songs from time to time. He lives in, uh, I think he lives in Memphis. Uh, His name is Bruce Carroll. So other than that, I don't listen to a lot of Christian music on the radio. Well, in your writing of music, what is your favorite song that you wrote and that you enjoy singing, and why? There's a few of them. They're they're the kind of a thing where each one of them has their own life. They're kind of like a tool in the toolbox that you uh, take out at a certain moment. But I tend to like songs that get people involved. Mm -hmm. You're never the star of the show, you know? You don't want to be. As a matter of fact, you want to try and stay as transparent as you can so people can see past you and and get what God has for them in that moment. I think anybody who really has a heart to minister for God with music understands that, that you just want to give people whatever God has for them right at that point. And if we could, we'd be invisible. But yeah, like I said, songs that involve people, and one of them that I really enjoy when I play it live is a song called So Good. And it's just a real simple song about how good God has been to me. You know, there's a place there in the chorus where everybody else gets involved, too. Okay, well, why don't we uh, just play that song, So Good, right now? Okay. God, I'm thinking about the lilies of the field They do not toil, they do not spin And Solomon in all his glory Was not arrayed like one of them You are so good to me Looking out at the fowl of the air They do not sow nor reap They do not gather But day by day along the way You feed them And you tell me I am so much better You are so good to me And I'm not the only one You've called to be your son Your hands reach out to every soul I see Your love knocks on their door What could a man want more Than to rise from the darkness and see You are so good 
See, take no thought for tomorrow Don't be anxious for anything So I don't even think to beg or borrow You're so Talk about your love. I will gladly tell our story. Tell them, keep your eyes above, because you are so good. So, so good. You are so. Could you share with us a time when you were ministering through music where you saw the mighty hand of God's deliverance in someone's life? Yeah, there's a there's a number of things I can think of. You know, sometimes when we say mighty hand, we we think that it's, you know, like parting of the Red Sea or that kind of thing. But as you know, Greg, God shows his mighty hand oftentimes in quiet ways away from the flashy lights. One thing that comes to my mind was a number of years ago, I was I was at a, uh, a seminar in Denver. There was a woman there who got on stage and was telling her story, you know, her, her testimony about something. And, mm-hmm. and I was in the back of the room listening, and I don't think that I had even met this woman yet. Maybe I had, but I uh, didn't know her very well. And she got up on the stage, and she proceeded to tell this amazing and uh boy it it was quite a story uh she had come home from work i don't know how else to put it other than she had found her son in his room and he had committed suicide Mm. and you know you and i can probably just only barely imagine what that's like for somebody right it was just one of these heart-wrenching stories that even when I think about it now, chokes me up. And then she said that in trying to get over this thing, she said that people had tried to speak God's word to her. They had tried all kinds of things, and she couldn't receive anything inside her mind. She was just shut down and shocked, and she expressed it as just screaming inside of her mind, and nothing would calm it down. Hmm. But then she said that somebody gave her an iPod with a bunch of songs on it. And she said, as I was scrolling through, I found a name and I said, who is this Scott Powell guy? Hmm. And she said that she started listening to this music and 
that, you know, all this time where people were trying to speak scripture to her or were trying to do other things, nothing helped, and yet somehow she said this music had delivered her, that she began to listen to it, and and the songs delivered her from the stuff that was going on. And, of course, I'm in the back of the room falling like a baby, you know, just thanking God that I could even be a little part of that story. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know what, Scott, I think you as a musician and songwriter with the heart for God that you have, I think that that happens so often, and really, you won't really even know till the return of Jesus Christ the impact that your music has had on the lives of people. Yeah, it's it's easy to overlook that sometimes. You know, you get you get stuck in the the production of it and the writing of it and all the things that go into doing those things and it's easy to overlook that it really it does have an impact and so you know one of the greatest things we can do is if I'm speaking to uh, believer musicians is to prepare our heart and to stay there with God so that you know he can uh, he can get things done right and I know that the one song you wrote, This Days for You, I love that song. I've probably listened to it a couple hundred times. And uh, I'm going to play it today, too, on the show. <laughs> At the end of the interview, I think. That is just an awesome song that has impacted my heart tremendously. Well, that's so. another one of those songs that, you know, somebody, people have asked me at times, do you get the music first or do you get the melody first or you know do you pick a subject and then write about it and the truth of it is that just about any good song i've ever had it's all come at once Hmm. i'll be uh sitting down playing a guitar which evokes a certain emotion or something you know a certain chord progression and then the lyrics are right there and the reason i say that is because that song this Days for You is one of those songs that came from a very real place at a very real moment. It was probably written within 10 minutes. Mm, a great example of inspiration from God and God working yeah. mightily within your heart and life. Yeah, exactly. That's... So, yeah, that's another favorite song of mine, and I sometimes I just sing it mm-hmm. by myself. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's, I sing along with you on my car uh, CD player. <laughs> oh, good. Good to be a part of your day. Right, right. <laughs> uh, you know, in light of that, too, in light of your songwriting, do you have another CD coming out? Are you working on anything in the near future? Well, you know, I'm always trying to work on something. I've got, it's been on my heart for a while now to do a uh, an instrumental album. Mm-hmm. You know, something that is, music itself is inspirational to people, and they, uh, you know, they don't have to have their mind engaged listening to lyrics all the time. They can have it in the background of their home and mm-hmm. and be able to pray and have dinner and that kind of thing. So uh, that's something that I'm beginning to work on. Oh, great. That would be great. Great to hear. Yeah. Look forward to that. In, in closing today, is there anything on your heart that you'd like to share with us to encourage us towards God and His Word? Well, you know, after having shared some of this stuff, there there are some things on my mind and uh, I guess that would be to the the listener who's out there that wants to know God, you know, really wants to know God and has a hunger and thirst. And, and I can tell you from my uh, experience that, you know, you can, you can read through the Bible and see many places where God says that if you'll seek me, I'll be found of you. 
Mm-hmm. And I know with a lot of people, and it was the same with me, you know, sometimes you look at the religious realm and you think, if that's God, I, I don't know if I want that. And yet, you know, there are many, many people out there who have a great desire to know this God that they've heard a little bit about, and, and they hear about his love and his deliverance, and I'm, I'm here to tell you that, that he wants you to find him, and he will go out of his way to make himself known. And all we really have to do is just be humble and say, God, show me. You know, if if we lack wisdom, he gives it to all men liberally. Mm-hmm. And the humble people are the ones who realize, I haven't been a very good Lord <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> of my own life. And a lot of times that's why it's the downers and outers, and that's why the, you know, the... Uh, the sinners and the publicans and the prostitutes are the ones that Jesus hung out with because they were the ones he could help. And so God really loves people and loves the opportunity to show himself to people who really want to know him. God will bring that to you. He will do it. Well, that's very encouraging. Uh, if our listeners wanted to get a hold of you, uh, what would you recommend to be the best way to, to do that? Well, probably the best thing to do would be to... Uh, get a hold of me on my website, and that is scottpowellmusic.com. Okay, that's awesome. I'll put a link up on our website as well to scottpowellmusic.com. Great. Well, Scott, thank you so much for taking time today to to share your heart and life with us. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, Thank you very much. Yeah, and Greg, thank you for what you're doing out there. I I haven't missed a show yet. (laughs) Well, thanks for listening out there in Colorado. I appreciate it. God bless you. God bless you, Greg. Thank you for joining me today on the Solution Radio Show, and thank you for your prayers for Scott Powell as we listen to the replay of his interview from July 2015. Please continue to keep Scott in your prayers as you think of him throughout this week. All of the Solution Radio Shows are archived at thesolutionradioshow.com where you may re-listen at your convenience. You know, it's that time of year again where the weather is warming up and it's a beautiful summer days here in the Chicago area. And you know what I love to do when the weather's warm? I love to hit the streets to speak God's word to people, to love them with the love of God, and to make prayer available for whatever they might need. You know, this upcoming week in the Chicago area, it's going to be beautiful, sunny with temperatures in the 70s and 80s. If you're in the area and you'd like to join me on the streets ministering God's Word, just shoot me an email at greg at thesolutionradioshow.com and we'll set up a date and a location and we'll have a blast loving others with God's love. You can email me. Once again, I'll give you that email, greg at thesolutionradioshow.com. Please continue to keep in your prayers the expansion of the Solution Radio Show. The Solution Radio Show is listener-supported, both by your prayers and your financial giving. Thank you for your support. It's greatly appreciated. All financial donations are tax-deductible. Our mailing address is P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Once again, that address, P.O. Box 9002, Naperville, Illinois, 60567. Also, there is a donation link available on our website. Have an awesome rest of your day. God bless you. You are 
God's very best.